Well, hey, everybody, a very big welcome. If you join us for the very first time, welcome to Victory Life Church Online. My name is Pastor Craig. Thanks, Micah, for welcoming everybody in. It's awesome to be able to join you from wherever you are in the world. For those of you who are joining us here in the sanctuary, thank you so much for being with us today. It's awesome that we can come together from wherever we are and celebrate God's Word. Before we jump into the next part of the series that we're in the, right in the middle of, Faith, Hope, and Love, let's just pray together and get ready for God to change our hearts and renew our minds. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. We are really excited by what you are doing in us and through us, how far we can reach because of what you are doing in your kingdom. So Father, we give you all the honor and the praise. Open our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that you have in store for us today. May the word touch us, change us, and make us more focused on this king that we call Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus, thank you for being our king. And we pray right now in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So a very big welcome if you're joining us for the very first time or you haven't been able to catch the rest of this Faith, Hope, and Love series, really want to encourage you to go ahead, click on the links in the, in the chat room right now, and you can have a look at all of the other materials and Faith, Hope, and Love messages that we've already spoken of and gone through already. If you haven't already done so, please be sure to get hold of the Victory Life Church app, uh, either in the Google Play Store or on the uh, iStore, and you'll be able to follow along with all of the messages from all of our locations right around the United States and also online. As mentioned, we are now stepping into part four of Faith, Hope, and Love. Now, you can understand if there's three elements, faith, hope, and love. Uh, we, we're busy working through two weeks on each one, and we've already done two weeks or two messages on faith. Um, we've now covered off, this is the second message on hope, and then we're going to be finishing up the series over the next two sessions with the two sessions on love. The premise of this message series, the premise of what we're talking about, the premise of, of what we're understanding is God does not expect anything from you unless He's already given it to you. And we, we had a look at that scripture, that famous scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says, now these three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And if these three things will last forever, well, we should consider them. Now, God has given us faith, He's given us hope, and He's surely, in the form of Jesus Christ, given us love. He's given us these three things. Why? Because He will never expect something from us unless He's already given something to us. That scripture tells us what three things He will always give to us. He will always provide faith, He will always provide hope, and He'll always provide love. But then we took a look at 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, and we realized that God had given us those three things for three reasons. Have a look. In 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, it says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. So he has expected from us a work. He's expected from us a labor or a story or an epic or a, or a legacy and he's expected from us endurance. And for those things, work, the legacy, and the endurance, he's given us faith, hope, and love. So if we're looking at working out in hope, well, then we need to have a look at our endurance. If we're looking at working out our faith, we need to have a look at how is ready are we to get up and go? 
How ready are we to take charge, to say, yes, I'm good to go. I want to go. Remember we said that faith was that action, that ignition, that start, that thing that gets you moving. Hope keeps you going because it produces endurance. God gives us hope so that we can keep going. And finally, it results in a legacy, in a story, not only about God's love to us, but God's love to others, as well as our love to others. Because remember, we are called to love our Father and love our neighbors. And we're going to get into the love peace portion of that a few, in a few weeks' time. When we have a look at this hope that produces endurance, when we, when we have a look at this hope that says, yes, that is who I am, that is what I am, I am good to go, I'm good to endure, this hope element of the scripture, we need to have a look and see that, that hope isn't something we long for. Hope isn't something that we have to work towards getting. And, and when I think about some people's hope, the picture that comes to mind is that, that thriller movie or that, that scene in a, in a really scary movie when, when the, the villain is on his way to attack the victim and the victim is trapped. And if they could just reach that knife or they could just reach out and get that gun, they would be saved. And, and they're reaching and they're reaching and the tension's building and they never seem to get there. And then at the last minute, they're able to, to get to that item that they need. Is hope like that for you? you you're more stretched than at peace. You, you're more reaching out to try and get hope, to try and get to a state of hope. Because you see, what we've done as humans is we've taken hope and we've superimposed over hope the thing that we hope for. And we only feel like we can have hope when we get the thing that we're hoping for. Scripture is not about getting what you want. Scripture is about the journey. Scripture is about holding on to hope even though we may not ever see what we hope for. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assured expectation of the things hoped for. The assured. Hope is an assurance. It's a state of being, not a state of having. And when we have a look at our hope, we, we reach out and we stretch out. I, I sometimes come across people who are, are going through difficult times and they look at me square in the face and they go, But I have hope, Craig. Well, if you have hope, you should be able to walk in hope. If you have hope, Hope is not something you have to attain. Remember, God has given you the hope so that you can walk out the endurance. Hope is something you already have. It's not something that you have to try and attain to get. Because you see, you may never get the thing you hope for, but that doesn't discount your hope. You may never see the thing that you long for, but that doesn't discount the longing. As we have a look at this hope, and we unpack this hope a little bit more, I thought today that it would be really good to help us understand the difference between a worldly type of hope and what it is to be called hope in a biblical sense. Basically, we're going to be having a look at what God says hope is, and we're going to be having a look at what the world says hope is. Worldly hope is kind of a, a a, a, a combination of wanting and expecting. It's kind of, I, I long for something, but that's not hope, that's imagination, if I just long for something. When I start building in an expectation that I actually might be able to get it, I actually might be able to reach out and take it, that's when hope in the world sense 
comes to play. It's, it's more than just wishful thinking in the world. It's more than just sitting going, imagine if I had $3 million. It's actually going, well, imagine if I had, well, actually, you know, if I do this and I do that, I might actually be able to attain that hope. Worldly hope gives breed to people gambling or, or, or looking for that quick, rich system or process in their lives. Get, quick, get rich quickly process in their lives. They, they, they kind of long for, they wishfully think for lots of money, and they try and go out in ways of, of allowing their hope to be expressed to try and get that thing that they're wishfully thinking about. Biblical hope, on the other hand, is very different to worldly hope. The kind of hope that God has in mind for you is very different to just thinking about it, wishing for it, and kind of hoping, expecting the maybe we'll get there. No, biblical hope is very different in that it's, it's assurance of even though you may never get what you hope for, that it's not any reason to give up your hope. Does that make sense to you? Even though Jesus may have come and God gave Jesus to us so that we could have everlasting life, God gives him in hope because he hopes that you will respond. And he knows that if you come into contact with Jesus, you will respond. There's an assurance in God's mind that it's not just a wishful thought that he gave Jesus. No, he had a very specific expectant plan. And even though Jesus might be rejected over and over again, God will never ever lose hope. And he will always walk out his divine plan with endurance. That's why we call God a faithful God. Because he's ready to walk it out, even though he might not always see immediate results. He knows that he will eventually see the results that he needs to see. So I thought what we could do to understand this biblical hope a little better is we could have a look at some scriptures that give us five lenses of what hope really is. Five ways of looking at hope. And I really want to encourage you to have a look at this uh, in your own time and, and use these scriptures in your own time. The first kind of lens that we can put on when looking at biblical hope to firmly bed biblical hope in our, in our hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but this worldly kind of wishful thinking, kind of expecting maybe, that's not hope. That's not the kind of hope I want to build my life on. And I don't know about you at home. I would rather build my life on a hope that's assured, that's genuine, that's real, that's not just maybe it'll happen, that I'm hoping for something that will happen, even though I might not see it. You see, this, this biblical hope, the first lens that we can have a look at, is based on Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 to 5. Let's, let's have a look at that. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 to 5. Kicks off in verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing, look at this, knowing that your tribulation, your difficulties in life, will work in you patience. Patience will create experience, and experience will remind you of your hope. Did, did you see that? You see, when we are willing to go through experiences and not see the hardship, not see the difficulty, not saying be blind to it, but not harp on it, 
and see that God is producing something in us, even though it's not a good situation. He turns everything for good. He's working something in you. Have a look at what he's working in you. He's working into you patience. He's working into you experience. He's working in through that tribulation so that he can remind you of your eternal hope. That your current circumstance is not your eternity. That your current circumstance is not your definition. That your current circumstance is not your promise. No, he's taking you through, not giving you the difficulty, but he's walking through that difficulty with you so that you can build in patience, that you can build in experience, and all the while keeping your eyes fixed completely on the eternal hope that he provides through Jesus Christ. You see, keeping your eye fixed eternally on that hope, which is Jesus Christ, which has already been given to you, makes the problem that we're currently in, the experience that we're working through, seem a whole lot more bearable and a whole lot smaller on the greater scale of things. You see, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it concludes that section of Scripture by saying this, And hope makes us not ashamed or unashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad for our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, when you think about it, we have a look at that scripture, and it says, hope combats shame. We've been given hope so that we can be unashamed. At the moment, mankind was at his most shamed, where he felt the worst about himself, was that moment when he had so much in the Garden of Eden, and yet he turned his back on God, and there he stood in the face of the presence of God, and he realized what he had done, and he was ashamed. At that moment of shame, at that moment when God said, I understand that you are experiencing shame, he didn't give man what he wanted, what Adam was stamping his foot for. What was he stamping his foot? Blame, hurt, shifting the buck, pointing to somebody else. That's what we do when we feel like we've run out of hope, when we feel like we're not getting what we need, when we feel like we're getting what we, we blame God, we blame other people, we blame our past, we blame anything but resting in the hope. At that moment, when, when man was at his most shamed, when he, when he needed shame the most, God promised Jesus. And my seed will bruise your seed in the head, and he will bruise my seed in the heel. He promised Jesus. At the moment God sees your shame, he wants to give you hope. He will never ask from you, getting over your shame, without giving you the ability to do it. He needs you to step away from shame, and so he gives you hope. But the only way we're going to experience that hope is by experiencing and remembering the experience. Adam would have walked away knowing that God could have squished him like a bug. But he didn't. He promised hope. He gave Adam something to look forward towards. He, he, he gave Adam a possible solution. Even though Adam wouldn't see that solution, he instilled the ability to endure by giving him the gift of hope in the form of Jesus Christ. So you see, the first kind of hope that we see in Scripture is this relational experiential hope that we gain and we glean from walking with God. 
When we see God coming through in our finances today, we have the endurance to walk through bad finances tomorrow. When we see God healing someone today, we have the endurance to walk through illness and sickness tomorrow. You see, when God gives you hope in the moment of your greatest weakness, we need to remember that moment. We need to remember that He's given you hope in the moment of our greatest weaknesses so that we can endure all things, so that we can have the experience, so that we can have the patience, so that we can remember our hope. I'm making sense. I hope you're standing to your feet at home right now clapping. Yes, I need some endurance. Well, I want to say to you, stand in your moment of weakness on the hope that God will automatically remind you of. God will never ask you to overcome that situation without walking through in hope with you. He will give you what he needs and he expects from you. So we see that the first type of hope is this experiential hope. It's hope that's worked out with God. It's hope that's shaped with God. It's hope that's molded with God. It's hope that gives us muscles to walk. It's exercising the relationship that you have with God in the tough spots so that you can be stronger next time. Nobody wants to have tough spots. Nobody wants to have difficult circumstances in their life. We all hope that we won't have to go through any difficulty. God is the same. He doesn't hope for any difficulty to walk, walk on your life or be part of your life. He, he wants to walk with you through and build the muscles so that we don't lose hope in the midst of our difficulty. Because if we lose hope in the midst of our difficulty, we'll have no endurance to walk through it, and we will be consumed by this world. And we'll get to that in a few moments. The next piece of hope, the lens that we want to look at hope in, in Scripture, is, uh, is spoken about by Edward Moat when he wrote the, the hymn, The Solid Rock. Unshakable hope is hope that provides a solid anchor. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You see, God is our anchor through Jesus Christ in hope. Hebrews 6 verse 19 to 20 puts it like this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, it's a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Yes, you see, the next kind of hope or the next lens that we can place on hope is unshakable hope. You don't have to have unshakable hope. Jesus is your unshakable hope. You have to work on getting better at hoping. You don't have to go, oh, my hope is secure. No, Jesus' hope is secure. In the name of Jesus, I have unshakable hope. Because it's not my hope, which is shakable. It's Jesus' unshakable hope. I don't have to question whether the anchor is heavy. I just need to attach myself to the anchor. I don't have to worry if the rock is going to be blown this way and that way by the wind. No, that rock is steadfast. I just have to endure and make sure I hold on. In this case, in some cases as well, we have to hold on for dear life. But what we're holding on to will never fail. You see, 
Our hope is in the unshakableness. Is that a word? Unshakableness of God, of Jesus Christ. And you know what's crazy? Is when we attach ourselves to the hope of Jesus Christ. That joining place, that place where we link in to the hope that is Jesus. Not your hope in Jesus. There's a difference. Your hope in Jesus is called faith. Your, your not acknowledgement of Jesus as being your hope. That's called endurance. That's called steadfastness. That's called salvation. That's called everything else you need to call it. But at that moment, at that place where you're holding on to Jesus, that, that connection space is often where Satan will try and attack. But he can't attack unless there's a crack. Unless there's, there's, there's a place where we're not holding on to for dear life. Where we're not holding on with commitment. Where we're not holding on with endurance. At that place, Satan's going to try and crack it. But the more we cast our hope on Jesus and being in Jesus, the more Satan will find that connection point untouchable. The more we question Jesus, the more we give him room to get his grubby little paws on disentangling, unattaching us from the hope that is Jesus. Am I making sense? You see, when we allow doubt, when we allow hope to no longer be in Jesus, but rather what we can do about it, well then hope isn't hope anymore. Now it's up to you. Now it's something that's infallible. Now it's something that can break. Now it's something that might not make it. Now it's definitely something that will never give you eternity. But while we lean on Jesus as being our hope, as being that which is hope, Satan can't touch your hope. He can't touch your eternity. He can't touch disconnecting you from Jesus Christ. So know that your hope will grow as you experience God in your life, experiential hope. Know that your hope in being Jesus is unshakable. And then the next lens that we have a look at in hope is knowing that your hope is blessed. You have blessed hope. You see, it's not something that is going to come and go. No, you are walking in the blessing of hope. You are walking in a, in, a, in a covering, in a status of having God's hope in you. Not working towards getting God's hope or having hope in what you put into play. This blessed hope is an absolute guarantee that Jesus will come again. It's an absolute guarantee that Jesus is coming back to show you, to prove to the world, and to glorify His Father that what He said was true. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 says this, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only do we hold on to who Jesus was, but we look towards who Jesus is, a reigning king that is about to return. And that hope is in a returning king. Not we have hope that he'll come back. No, no, we know that our hope, who is Jesus, is coming back. I'm not hoping to see Jesus again. I know that hope is a coming. You see, hope is not necessarily something that you can conjure up. Hope is Jesus Christ in every form. Man, risen king, spirit man, spirit being. He is hope. 
As much as we can turn around to people and say, God is love, we can turn around to people and say, Jesus is hope. Hope isn't something that you create. Hope has been given to you the moment you receive Jesus Christ into your life. Because Jesus is hope. Now we know that this hope is blessed because it has a blessed assurance in the return of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said that I'm going away. And he has to go away so that he can return. So when he returns, we're going to see hope coming. But in this gap between Jesus leaving and Jesus coming back, he's going to provide us a counselor that's going to give us the gift of hope. In other words, he's going to remind us constantly of the hope that's been placed on the inside of you. And so when we look at it, this hope, number four, the lens, the, the hope is a permanent work of the Holy Spirit. It's permanently reminding you all the time that Jesus is your hope. It's a gift he gives you to remind you constantly of the hope. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the theme scripture for this sermon series. But now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You see, what it's saying to us there is that God will always give you what he needs from you. He always, they will always be given to you. Faith, hope, and love. And the Holy Spirit is what will remind you of those gifts that God has given you. And the final lens that we can look at is broken down in a famous scripture in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. I don't know what your desire is. I don't know what you are sitting at home desiring. You see, there's a big difference between desire and hope. Hope you already have. Desire is something you're creating. Hope is, has been given to you, and that creates endurance. Hope doesn't create desire. Hope creates endurance, according to Thessalonians. And so when we look at this desire, the Scripture speaks about the fact that we could have a personal hope. We could have in us a hope for something. But Scripture tells us that we need to keep on seeking that which is Jesus. We need to keep on seeking the King and the Kingdom, Matthew 6.33. We need to seek the hope, King Hope. We need to seek who He is, and then all these personal desires will be added unto you. The trap that Satan has caught us in is that he has tried to highlight that you should have hope in your personal desires first. And when we prioritize personal desire over hoping in Jesus, are we not deferring hope? Are we not putting other things in the way between us and that which hope is, which is Jesus? So therefore, when we push Jesus away, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Why? Because the things that we desire are fruitless. They are described in the Bible as chasing after the wind. No wonder it is when we push Jesus away by putting our personal desires in the way, we grow sick. Because what we genuinely desire is for Jesus our hope. So when we place other things in the way of Jesus our hope, we defer true hope, we will be sick. But then, when our genuine desire, hope in Jesus Christ and hope through Jesus Christ comes, well then we are a tree of life. 
And isn't that what Jesus described himself as? Water that gives life. Running water that gives life. Life-giving water. So don't allow your personal desires to be named your hope. Your hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And if you keep on seeking him, first pull hope in. All these other things that you desire will be given unto you and be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But if you take all these other things and put them in the way, you're going to push Jesus far away and hope deferred, Jesus deferred, makes the heart sick. Now you might be saying, but Craig, I get all of that. I understand hope. I I get what you're saying. I understand that Jesus is my hope. But I've got these things that have been placed on my heart for years. I've been praying for my son to receive Jesus for almost 20 years. I've been, I've been hoping that this cancer will go away from my body for almost five years. I've been, I've been hoping that my loved one will get better. I've been hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping. And it just doesn't seem to happen. I really, I have a desire to be a pastor. I have a desire to have a prophetic gift in my life. I have I have all these things that God has placed on my heart. And isn't that hope? Isn't isn't that hope? Uh, Do I have hope in those things? Will they come to pass? Will I see them? Well, the answer is given to us here in Isaiah 49 and verse 2. It says this, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me polished shaft. In his quiver or in his scabbard hath he hid me. Why would God refine you, polish you, give you the gift of Jesus Christ, make you this beautiful sword, and then hide you in his scabbard? Why would he do that? Why would he just take a beautiful instrument like that and, and put, him, put you in, in, this, in this quiver? Well, the word translated hid here in Isaiah 49 and verse 2 means to be forced into hiding. You're being pushed into hiding when you get pushed into that scabbard. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, and then he waited, and then all he had was six months. Does that mean that he was tossed aside and that he would never ever see his dreams? I, I can tell you now, John's dream to, was never to be beheaded. He didn't hope to be put to death. No, you see, we've, we've misplaced what we long for with the fact that our hope is Jesus. We, we've misplaced the fact that, that God will put dreams on your heart to get you going, to get you moving, to get you up in the morning. But he realizes that there's a broken world. And sometimes he's going to hide you from that broken world. He's going to put you through a a time of patience, not to punish you. No, patience creates character and experience, and experience creates in you hope. You see, that that Greek or that Hebrew word is, is not a negative thing. It's put away that sword. That's put away until the right time. So when that sword is drawn, it is still sharp. It is still clear. It's still clean. It's still, it's still full of luster. Jesus wasted. He, he, he stepped out in ministry at the age of 12 and then, and then wasn't seen again until 30. He was put away until the appointed time. Mother, it is not my appointed time. 
He knew that there was going to be a time when God would take out that sword and the world would see what he'd been prepared for. And the same is true of you because Jesus is in you. And if Jesus can go through a time of being deliberately hid, so can you because Jesus is in you. Joseph waited for how long? He got these dreams of being grand and important. How long did he have to wait in the scabbard of God? I would rather be protected by God in his scabbard than out there being beat up by the world and the luster of life being taken away from me. I'd rather be walking out in patience than living a hectic life of frantically seeking who I am. I'd rather be guided and guarded and protected. I'd rather be doing nothing for God, and that's not going to happen, than doing anything for Satan. Am I making sense today? Why are we replacing hope with the things that we long for? Hope cannot be replaced. It will always be there. You will always have hope, even though sometimes you might need to walk through a season of waiting. When you walk with God, no preparation time is wasted time. When you walk with God, the season of waiting is, the exception, is not the exception but the norm. But many of us, we grow impatient. Why? Because we see our lives not in the hope of Jesus forever. We see our lives as three score years and ten. And if by special mightiness we get to eighty. So everything has to be done at pace. God needs to come through now. You, you, need to, you need to save my son now, Jesus. My son needs to come to Jesus now. Let me tell you something. If you long for your son or your daughter to find Jesus, and that's the hope of your heart, a God that wants nobody to be destroyed has the same hope in his heart for your son and daughter. And he's working as the almighty God to get that done. Can we not just trust him? Can we not just be vulnerable with him? who breathes galaxies into place, breathes salvation and eternity in his sleep. Can we not trust him, rather? When we look at it, if we have to go in for an operation, a surgical operation. Now, I've only ever had two surgical operations in my life. I'm going to talk about the one, and I definitely will never talk about the other. But... When you go into general anesthetic and you go under general anesthetic, you are completely vulnerable with your surgeon, aren't you? you, you, you you're completely vulnerable. Your mouth hangs open and your, your arms flop around and as they put that medication inside of you, 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 you're completely vulnerable. And as that surgeon cuts into you, you have completely trusted that what he's doing in you is going to be a good thing. He's going in to make a problem right. And sometimes the expected duration of the operation is 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. But at the end of the day, when the surgeon gets on the inside of you, he finds bigger issues and he has to take longer. That operation might go on for three hours, four hours, five hours. But during that time, we're not waking up telling the, the surgeon to hurry up. Do you know how much pain you'd be in if you decided to come out from under the effects of your anesthetic to tell the surgeon to hurry up? Why do you think you're in so much pain in trying to tell God to hurry up? 
You've been vulnerable with him. You've laid your life on the operating table for him. He's put you under and he said, I will operate on you and I will make it good. You can rest assured that I will always work for your good. If that takes one year, three years, five years, 25 years or 80 years, I am the surgeon and I'm making things good. Will you trust me and just be vulnerable in me and rest in the hope and assurance that I give you? And when he brings you out of that anesthetic condition, the surgeon has done everything he can in his human imperfect way to make sure that you are better. Your vulnerability is rewarded with healing. And so you place your hope in the surgeon knowing that he can come through and give you a better health. And as he brings you out of that anesthetic, he hands back control and says, now work with this healed body. Go through therapy. Eat right. Don't let this happen to you again. And he gives you all the advice to keep walking in the healing, in the, in the, in the, in the surgery that he's performed in you. It's exactly the same with God. He plants a seed on the inside of you that says, I've done my work in you. Sometimes that's going to take long. Sometimes that's going to be immediate. But I'm going to work in you as long as you remain vulnerable to me and vulnerable to the hope that I have in Jesus, placed in you in Jesus Christ. And you walk with endurance on the other side of that operation. You will have healing. You will have health. You will have a life of hope. I hope that that, that illustration brings it home to you. Our job is not to tell the surgeon how quick he must be. Our job is to rest vulnerably in the hope that he's doing for our good. And the same is true of God. But when we try and, try and put our own agendas in the way, and we defer this hope, I can tell you now there are three very clear things that will show you if you're deferring hope. Number one, you will be depressed. If you're pushing Jesus away as your hope with your own agenda items coming in, depression will come in. Proverbs talks about this as a sick heart. Where you push Jesus away, you will be sick at your heart. That is depression. You will walk around always wanting to get things done now, disappointed by the fact that you can't get them done. You are always going to be trying in your own steam to get things done, and you are always going to be failing. And that sense of failure will result in depression. The second symptom of you deferring your hope is that you will have a hindered prayer life. You're going you're to go on your knees before the Lord and you're going to struggle to be vulnerable because you don't trust in Him as your surgeon. You're going to be trying to tell Him what to do. By the way, Lord, I need X, Y, and Z and I need it by this date and that time. Did you do that with your surgeon? So why would you do that with God? You see, God wants you just to be vulnerable, relax in that hope, and walk out His healing and direction. But here's the big thing. If we defer that hope. You see, when, when the surgeon opens us up at the chest to perform open heart surgery, when he opens us up, he's less worried about cutting you down your sternum than he is about infection. Surgeon's biggest enemy is not whether or not he can cut through the bone and open you up. No, his biggest concern 
is infection. You see, when we defer hope, it provides an opening for infection to get in. When we defer hope, depression can come in. When we defer hope, our relationship with God fails. And when that starts, there's a cut on your hands. As you cling to that hope, there's a, there's a nick or a cut. And Satan can inject infection in there. Infection like unforgiveness. Infection like you're not good enough. Infection like bitterness. Infection like, like hate. Infection like bigotry. Infection like racism. Infection like blaming anything else because you're not getting what you want. And when we get to a place like that, germs will get in through the wounds. The right dressing for those wounds. It might sting a little bit when you first put that dressing on that cut, but the right dressing is called the hope of Jesus Christ. The right dressing is knowing that Jesus has got the situation. The right dressing is being able to surrender to the surgeon. The right dressing is doing things as God has asked you to do them. And when we allow the dressing of hope, Satan cannot get infection on the inside of you. He will not weave bitterness into your heart. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, out of the whole world that God had to work with, He planted the garden in the west corner of a subsect of a part of the world. He didn't plant the whole world full of trees and beautiful. No, he just created a little patch of heaven. He just created a, a little place that could be called Eden. And as he, as he gave that to man, he said, this is a seed. This shows you what you can do. He gave man hope by giving him the seed. He gave man hope by showing him the model of what the world could look like. In your life, God has done exactly the same. He's shown you the model. He's given you the seed. It's called Jesus Christ. And in that seed, we can transform our whole world to be the same as that model. We can have the thoughts of Jesus. We can have the mind of Jesus. We can have the ways of Jesus. We can have the healing of Jesus. Because he was just showed off for a moment in the small corner of Jerusalem and surrounds. Jesus the man came as the Eden part, the seed part, the model part of your entire hope-filled world. You see, the things that you hope for are important to God. And all that he wants you to make important is hoping in him. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18 says this. When everything was hopeless, anybody in that situation? When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Abraham had hope anyway. Psalm chapter 27 verse 14 says this, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Be prepared to be hidden by the Lord for the right time. Be prepared to hold on to hope even though you might not get to see what you hoped for. Be prepared to get up, rush headlong at something and have the endurance to walk it out even though you don't know what that something is. Hope attached to faith produces miracles in your life. When you're willing to get up, 
when you're willing to move on, when you're willing to step up and move in hope, you will have faith and you will have hope. And finally, next week, we will get into the love that that produces in you, for you, and through you. I hope that you've got something out of this. Let's pray together as we go to the table and receive the communion elements that are Jesus Christ. And we'll explain that right after this prayer. Father, we thank you so very much for this message and word. Father, we don't want to defer hope. We don't want to have a poor prayer life. We don't want to be detached from you. No, we want to have a biblical understanding of hope. We want to experience hope. We want to walk in the hope that you have provided in the form of Jesus Christ. We love you, Heavenly Father, and thank you for giving us Jesus, a.k.a. hope. We thank you that you are our God and that there is no other. And we pray this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Now, as you might have known that this is a communion service, it's a time when we celebrate Jesus. And whatever elements you've been able to put together today, a piece of bread, some water, stick of gum, a cup of coffee, whatever it is, it's simply taking a moment to know that Jesus' body was broken so that you can have hope. He didn't come to earth to give in, to give up hope. No, he hoped for something greater even than death. And he proved that his hope was so genuine into something greater than death that he was willing to die to prove that death could not even rob him of the hope that had been placed on the inside of him. He showed that even during difficult circumstance, that his body, which is represented by a small piece of bread, a, a wafer, whatever you've got to eat, that even when it was broken, it wasn't done. Even when he went through his biggest tribulation, death, he wasn't put down. And we take in and we say, we receive in the same way, we believe in the same way, and we are willing to walk through difficulty in the same way, not leaving our hope behind, but clinging on to the hope that came and was broken for you. He wasn't just whipped or beaten. His body wasn't just broken. No, his blood was shed. He died. It was a covenant promise to say that I will go away today, but I will be back as your risen king in three days. You can take the blood out of my body. You can beat my body. You can kill me but you will not take the hope that I represent for all mankind from me. My word is my bond. It is a blood covenant, blood that was shed for you. As we celebrate this Jesus, maybe it's the first time in your life you've actually said, yes, I need some hope. Well, if you say you need some hope, you're actually saying I need some Jesus. And if you're in a hopeless situation and you need genuine hope, well, then you need to genuinely embrace Jesus Christ. It's not a big thing. We'll help you through every step of the way. We'll journey with you, and we want to be with you no matter where you are making that decision right now. We just want you to tell us that, yes, I need the hope of Jesus Christ in my life. I need to do things differently because the way I've been doing them has created hopelessness, and I want some hope. If that's you, why don't you go ahead and click on the banner, click on the link in the chat room right now. We want to chat with you. We want to let, get to know you. So please let us know that that was your decision right now. You need some of the hope of Jesus Christ in your life because the way you've been doing it has been hopeless. And if that is you, we're going to send you some resources. We're going to get in contact with you. We'd love to chat through what that celebratory moment in your life will mean for you and how you can grow and grow in the knowledge of that hope. 
Thank you so much for being vulnerable with the surgeon today as he has taught us and led us. Thank you for being vulnerable and saying, yes, I need Jesus as my hope and my savior. We want to love you and love on you. So thank you so very much for being part of Victory Life Church Online. I know that God has spoken to you today. Spend some time in the chat room. The hosts are there to pray with you. We look forward to seeing you this weekend and then for our next part of the Faith, Hope, and Love series next session here in the midweek time. Thank you so much for being with us. We love you, and we want to pray with you right now. So join us in the chat room. Be blessed.